Welcome to Unpacked Podcast with your host, leadership consultant, Ron Harvey of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. Ron's delighted to have you join us as he unpacks and shares his leadership experience designed to help you in your leadership journey. Ron believes that leadership is the fundamental driver towards making a difference. So now, to find out more of what it means to unpack leadership, here's your host, Ron Harvey. Good morning. This is Ron Harvey. I'm the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for Global Core Strategies and Consulting, which is a leadership firm based out of Columbia, South Carolina. We're coming to you today with another episode of Unpack with Ron Harvey. And my promise to you is to always bring on guests that are going to share some real exciting information about being more effective as a leader. And so we don't have anything scripted. It's real-time conversation about their experiences throughout the world, throughout their business, and throughout their opportunities to get better and help other people get better. So I'm really, really excited that my guest today, Ms. Hope Broadway, which we've done some assignments and some work together. We constantly see each other and give each other a hard time, but very supportive of each other, and we have fun with the work. So Hope, welcome to Unpack with Ron Harvey, and thank you for saying yes to being one of my guests. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate the invite. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So what would you want people to know? I know your business, but you know it better than me. What would you want to tell people about telling you the name of your business and where you're located? And for those of you that are listening and watching, we'll also give contact information at the end. Yeah. So the name of my business is Palmetto HR Business Partners, and we're based in South Carolina in the Midlands. And we handle human resources, consulting, and outsourcing for small and medium-sized companies. And basically, we help companies improve their competitive advantage, which is their people. And that obviously translates into more success for those companies. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like you are already prepping yourself up for the future because you used the word large and you tried to take it back, but it was too late. So now to be small, <laughs> medium and large businesses. So it's not like you're setting yourself up for the future. There uh, you go. Hire some more people. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking into existence. That's right. It's exactly yes. right. Well, it's been fun. I mean, you and I have had an opportunity to do several projects together and we're still working on projects together. But it's been a joy to work alongside you. And we get a chance to really work with leaders at all levels, all industries, all backgrounds. So when you think about your work and the stuff that, that you're doing currently as an HR professional, going into organizations, what would you say that you're noticing across the board that you're saying that's pretty common? What are some things that leaders are doing really that's effective? And what are some missteps that leaders are making? Well, gosh, you know, I've been in HR management now for over 30 years. And so one thing that I will say that I see that leaders are doing a better job of is meeting with their team members on a more regular basis and giving feedback versus several years ago. We HR professionals have been working with leaders for many years and trying to coach them into having more regular and ongoing just weekly check-ins or bi-weekly check-ins with their team members. And so I'm definitely seeing more of that. They're doing more things to engage their employees, keep their employees really happy, motivated, and engaged with the organizations. Where I still see that leaders fall short in a lot of areas is not getting to know their employees like they should. People want to know their leaders. And so to do that, you have to spend time with them. You have to spend time with your people. And if you're not spending enough time with them, then they are going to feel like you don't care about them or you're too busy for them. And that translates into them 
starting to think about leaving and going to work someplace else. So that's something that I'm seeing in a lot of the businesses that we support. Wow. So I hope a lot of great information for our listeners and our viewers about what you're seeing that's going really well in some areas for, I, I like to use the word uh, to get better, to improve. And so thank you for sharing that. Let's unpack it for a second, though. As you're looking at like the areas for leaders to get better, what are some recommendations that you would make to a leader that's in that space that you decide that you've noticed or, or that's listening, that they're not as connected as they should be? And employees are thinking about leaving. What would you tell them are some easy, practical steps to get to know their people? Take them to the break room and get a cup of coffee and sit down and have a conversation. Just be real with them. Let them know that you're a real person. You have feelings, too, and you make mistakes, too. I think a lot of times people, when they don't see the real part of their manager, their leader, they look at them as if they are up here and the employee is down here. And so you want to be authentic. People want to know that you are you're real, you're authentic, but just having those conversations with them and just getting to know them and spending time with them. That's the biggest thing is taking the time to spend time with your employees, with your staff is part of your role. It is part of being a leader. So a lot of leaders will tell me, well, I don't have time. I'm in this meeting. I'm in that meeting. You have to make the time because it's our jobs as managers, as leaders, to help improve our employees and to remove barriers for them because they're the ones that's doing the work. And so if you're not making the time to spend time with your employees, you're really asking for problems. So really just carving out some time, putting that time on your calendar each week, carving out that time and sticking to it. If you say you're going to meet with your employee at a certain time of the week or a certain day of the week, make sure that you do that. Always do what you say that you're going to do. That's another thing that employees tell me is they can't count on their manager. They keep getting cancellations, meeting cancellations, or the meeting was moved out because my manager was too busy for this or that. That is not a good thing. That is something that they would receive very negatively because again, it makes them feel like you have more important things to do than to deal with them. Wow. Yes. Hope. Phenomenal insight. Great sharing. So you've been in HR for a while. Yeah. And there was a point where you were told as a leader to keep your personal and professional life separate. Don't let your people know you so well. But what I just heard you say is different than what that message used to be. How has that changed and why has it changed? The workforce has changed. The climate has changed over the years. As you know, Ron, you and I have had conversations about this. And that used to be, that's old school. We'll just call it that. It really is. It's very old school thinking. People are not robots. They are not numbers. They are humans. And so they work better if it's based on relationships. And you can't have a relationship if your employees don't get to know you. Now, I'm not suggesting that every manager go out and hang out with one of their employees and go out to a bar or something like that. But just be real with them, be vulnerable with them, be willing to admit it when you make a mistake, because nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes, but people really like to see your humility and for you to say, I really messed up. Can you forgive me? That just goes so far. And I've seen a lot of people quit in organizations, and I typically do exit interviews when someone has tendered their resignation. And this is just very candid feedback that I've gotten from terminating or separating employees. 
that they wish that their manager has spent more time with them. Another thing that managers where they misstep is not clearly defining the expectations at the onset. When you bring in a new employee, assuming that person knows the job and you just leave them alone, that's not good. You need to be having those conversations with that new employee on a regular basis, providing them the tools, providing them the resources, all the information they need, doing check-ins with them, having regular check-ins, assigning maybe a peer partner for your new employee to go to with all the questions that maybe they don't feel comfortable going to you for those questions. I've had managers come to me and say, hey, Hope, we need to terminate so-and-so. Let's just say that the person had only been there for six months. My first question is why? And then secondly, have you spoken to him or her about these problems? They should know. They were hired as this particular position, so they should know better. No, they shouldn't know better. You need to be communicating with that employee. You need to be making sure that you're setting the expectations very clearly. People do not do well in ambiguity. They just don't. They want to know, what do you want me to do? What are the resources you're going to provide to me? And are you going to support me if I mess up? Wow. So Hope, I hear you. It's loud and clear. Mm -hmm. And I also agree. But I want to err on the side of Let's unpack it a little bit because some of that work may feel like handholding or micromanaging and people fall into that bracket. So I want to make sure that people that are listening understand there's a difference in overdoing it, but there's a fine line of not doing it enough. So having ambiguity may be dangerous and delegating too much and empowering too much. How do you find a balance between not handholding, but also not leaving so much space for ambiguity? In the beginning, I think you do need to handhold. Now, if you've got a stellar performer that's knocking it out of the park, you better not be micromanaging them because they're doing a good job. My advice to managers is to only, you should only have to micromanage when there's a problem and that you've had conversations with the employee and they're not getting any better. Their performance is not improving. People do not like micromanaging. That is probably the top three or four things that I hear from employees is the reason to why they are leaving their job is that their manager micromanaged them and did not allow them the autonomy to be able to do their jobs for which they were hired. So I would say definitely in the beginning, making sure that you give them autonomy, but you're also holding their hands to show them the ropes. I mean, you can't expect them to come in on day one and hit the ground running and just be a superstar. So they're going to need some support from you. So you're right. There is a fine line. But once that person gets up and running, then you can be available, have those check ins, maybe not weekly check ins, maybe bi weekly check ins or some managers do monthly check ins. But you should be getting in touch with your your people on a more frequent basis. You might not do like your 45 minute or hour long weekly check in, but you definitely need to be communicating at least in person or on the phone or have a Teams call or a Zoom call or something like that. But micromanaging, that's no go whenever you've got a good performer. Yes, yes. Hope, you're HR guru, and you're hearing it from a, a really good person if you're listening or watching us today about some real good ideas of how to be more effective. And that's the goal. So when you think about the people that are listening and watching that we want to get better in their positions so they can be more responsible for taking care of the people that they're held accountable for. Communication always comes up of lack of communication. I've never, even for me as in a leadership role, when I first started and started figuring this out, if you ask me what I wish I would have done more of is communicate more 
and make sure the expectations were clear. I never really would say, I wish I was better at that job or that task. I always said, I wish I was a more effective communicator Mm -hmm. and I connected more with my people. If you go back and look at my whole history of leading, how much of an impact does it have on the workforce when a leader doesn't communicate effectively and consistently and clear? Oh, it's huge. It is huge. That is definitely the top five reasons why people leave organizations is lack of communication. It's never really over communication. It's lack of communication. And that can, you know, let's just say that you communicated to a couple of people on your team, but you didn't communicate it to a few others. Then you've got half of your team are the ones that have received the information that was probably pretty important. And then the other ones feel left out they get the information late, maybe two people that got the information early on, they've already started on the project for which you have explained to them. And it just causes a lot of issues. And then you get a lot of chatter and people start talking about it. You know, your manager told you about the information that was shared with the CEO during this meeting. My manager, it's been three days and he has yet to say anything to me. So you have to make sure that you understand number one, the value of communication and make sure that if you are getting something from your top leadership, that you have to communicate, multiple managers have to communicate to their employees, that you all do it at a certain time and that you're all saying basically the same thing. Because sometimes information gets deciphered and you say what you thought you heard and it might be different than what this manager thought he or she heard. So make sure that you have a not a script per se, but you understand, basically you have a script that you're all speaking the same language and you're saying the same, the same thing. But yeah, that's huge. That goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the broadcast is having those weekly check-ins with your teams and more regularly, obviously you're going to be communicating them with them throughout the week, but they would rather hear too much information than not enough information. Yes, I 100% agree with that. We spent a lot of time on here, Hope. We'll unpack a little bit here about culture. We spent a lot of time, you and I both, of mm-hmm. creating a culture that people want to be a part of. You know, mm-hmm. our company's built off creating winning cultures. What role do leaders play in really establishing a culture that's productive and effective? What role do, if I'm the leader of an organization, what role do I play in that? It starts at the top. So if you are not owning it, And if you are not emulating the culture that you expect, then you can't expect your people to be doing it either. So it's so important that you walk the talk that, you know, if you have these particular values that you are not only emulating them, but you're also holding your other people, your other leaders accountable for also embodying those values in that particular culture, reiterating it, on a regular basis so that it gets ingrained in their minds that this is the culture of our organization. But you definitely have to walk the talk. You can't say we have a respectful environment and then you scream at your top leaders and everybody down the hall can hear you screaming at your leaders. That's basically called two-faced so or a hypocrite. So no, no, leaders um, are not doing that. You're not experiencing any of that hope. You don't have leaders really screaming at people in their organization. That's not happening, is it? Years ago. Yes. No, not currently. No, no. <laughs> yes. No, not, there, there's still a lot of foul language used. And that's yes. one thing 
that I've heard from team members, from employees that say, you know, they wish that their manager would stop using foul language. And wow. really foul language, it's, there's no place for it in the workplace. Yes. So if you're doing it, please stop. Your people will really appreciate it. It doesn't make you look any better or any tougher. It really <laughs> makes you look bad. <laughs> yes. And it's amazing. People say, well, they won't understand it unless I use this language. And I always challenge that. Is that really the factual data? They won't understand it unless you use this language? It's not factual. No. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're following us, I get it. You may have been brought up that way and you've seen it, but it's changing drastically. So nobody appreciates feeling less than or spoke to any kind of way. So hope, trust shows up. Leaders are, we had an all-time low. From my experiences and what I'm noticing, we had an all-time low across all industries with trust. It's a real hard task right now. What what advice would you give leaders to begin to close the gap on lack of trust in their organization? You know, I think that being authentic, being transparent to a point, there's some things that you cannot divulge from a confidentiality standpoint, but just being authentic with your teams, letting them know the good, the bad and the ugly, but they're letting them also know that there are certain things, certain information that you are not at liberty to divulge. And that is just, they're going to have to understand that and honor that. But just really being a true, authentic person, it just goes back to being authentic. People just want you to tell them the truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And here's something that I hear a lot from employees. I've heard a lot over the years is, I didn't know I was really doing a bad job. Well, you didn't. Did you not have a conversation with your manager? No, he or she never told me. And so managers, when you avoid those crucial conversations, you're really doing a disservice to your employees because you're not telling them where they need to correct the problem. You're not giving them that good feedback and using situational leadership to correct those behaviors. And so without that feedback, without the manager giving them authentic, candid feedback, the employee doesn't know that he or she is doing anything wrong. So how can they make improvements in it? You know, people, managers who say, well, I don't like having those conversations with people. They're so uncomfortable. It's your job. (laughs) It's your job. And you really are doing them a disservice and yourself a disservice because they're not going to improve their performance unless you have that, that candid feedback with them. And then that obviously translates into probably lower output or lower productivity or lower quality or whatever. It impacts your organization in one way or the other. Wow. Yes. And I think you're absolutely right. There are people that don't like to have those crucial conversations. It makes them feel mean or it makes Mm -hmm. them feel like they're being unfair and they don't do them soon enough and begins to get bigger and it starts to impact more of your organization. Then there are those people that are on the other side that are too aggressive and abrasive when they're having those conversations, which Mm -hmm. makes people feel like, man, I don't feel good. So, you know, one (laughs) thing I think that everybody should be left intact after you have a crucial conversation. It's not there to destroy people. They should still walk away feeling intact, but finding a way that they have to do some developmental opportunities. And so if you're the leaders that's listening to this, is we're not telling you to go in and be aggressive and disruptive and bad Mm -hmm. behavior and poor conversation. But we're also saying for the ones that are not doing it at all, it works against you as well. So either side of the coin is not Mm -hmm. effective. So the question I have for you as we begin to come to a close for our segment today When you're thinking of leaders and you're watching in the work you do, what are three things that you would tell the average leader? This new word used to be soft skills. It's changing to power skills. What are some attributes that you think every leader needs to have to be effective? I would say they need to 
again, I know I feel like a, I'm a broken record, but being authentic, being yes. your real true self, letting people see your vulnerability and getting to know your teams, that is absolutely crucial. Your teams are not going to give you any more than what is expected them. They're going to give you the bare minimum if you don't have a relationship with them. If you have a relationship with them and they know that you care about them and that you've got their back, they're going to give you a lot more than what they would. So definitely, I would say that the authenticity. Listen, yes. God gave us two ears and only one mouth. So we really, really do need to stop talking so much about ourselves and listen more to your teams. And if they've got a really good suggestion, implement it. Yes. Don't be so proud that you have to say, well, I didn't come up with that, so I'm not going to implement it. That's insane. But listen to your teams because they're in the thick of it. They see all the dirty stuff behind the scenes and they can give you, you know, some good advice on how we can improve a process or greater efficiency or greater effectiveness. So really listen to your teams. And the third, I guess, would probably be communication is making sure that you are communicating on a regular basis and you can't over communicate. Now, you can give too many avenues of communication and you can bombard your people with email, with text, with social media. Find one source of communication and kind of stick to it and just make sure that your teams know this is how we're going to communicate. But do that regularly and you'll see a lot of improvements. Yes. Yeah. So if you're listening, three great ways that Hope shared already is be authentic. Make sure that you're listening and make sure you're a great communicator. And I have to kind of echo what you said, Hope. I was talking to a client yesterday and they're on the team and it's on a board and I wanted them to do a role. I wanted them to serve in a different capacity on this board. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, say, Ron, how long are you going to be in the leadership role? I say for at least two years. They say, as long as you're in the leadership role, I'll do it because every time you're around, we feel safe. We feel like you're really going to take care of us. You're going to look out for us. You're going to help us know our job really well. You're going to mentor and develop us and you're going to give us space to make mistakes. We feel really safe. So why do people join you, Ron? Is because you make them feel safe. So leaders, if you listen to this, safety is the number one thing that people need. Yeah. If you look at the Maslow hierarchy, safety is important. That's right. That's so exactly if you right. can get your team to feel safe, if you can take care of the people around you and they feel they can trust you and you're going to take care of them, it adds so much value that you can't even put a price tag on. So if you're listening to this, our job is to ensure people feel safe have the space to do the job they're supposed to do. The three things I'll leave with you that'll be important for us. If you're looking at the workforce today, there are three things that are super important if you're going to keep your team. One is, is it the ideal job that people want to be in? If people land the ideal job, they're more likely to stay with it. So put people in the ideal position for them. The second thing it says is, does the organization really care about me? Mm-hmm. So they want to know, do you care about them in that organization? And are they doing meaningful work? Ideal job, do you care and is it meaningful work? The third thing it says is, do I have a great boss? If you can manage those three really, really well, your turnover rates will drop. Absolutely. So Hope, as we come to a close, thank you for, first of all, coming on board. And I know you're like, man, I got to do this podcast. You did a phenomenal job. Thank you for coming (laughs) on with us. 
How do people reach you? Because you had a lot of insight, a lot of information, and people are always looking for HR. Can you tell our audience how to best reach you and find you should they need your professional services? Oh, absolutely. So you can find us online at www.palmettohrpartners.com. And you can also reach me via my cell phone, which is 803-464-1889. And we're on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the social media platforms and very active in the Columbia area. And we have clients as far as Charleston and Greenville. So we are accessible and would love to help you out with your people needs. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to help promote a little bit more for you, Hope. What are the top three things that if people are experiencing this issue, what should people call you for? We're really seeing an uptick in lawsuits, in anti-harassment lawsuits, harassment or discrimination lawsuits. Many small companies, they just don't have a policy on anti-harassment or DEI, or they don't even have a handbook. So I would definitely say you have to do the fundamental. You have to train your employees on every employee from the top to every single employee in your organization on the anti-harassment policy, which is the law. So if you're if you've got managers or employees out there that are doing dumb things and they're harassing people, then you can be held accountable as the employer. So that's first and foremost is, is get that handbook, get that policy and get that training. That's a really big thing that we're seeing right now. And you'd be surprised. It's not just in smaller companies, but we're even seeing these things in very large organizations where the managers have just taken their foot off the gas or they've stepped away and let things just go by the wayside. And it's really not a good thing. So definitely do that. Thanks, Hope. And if you're listening, definitely Hope does work for us and support us. We're in collaboration on different projects um, mm -hmm. to do better services for our clients. So I highly recommend the opportunity. If you need the services she spoke of, find her out on LinkedIn, go to her website, reach out to her. She gave you a cell phone number and then let her know that you need her services and she'll be happy to talk to you. Again, this is Ron Harvey, Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, Global Core Strategies, where our job is to really help you create a winning culture by developing your leaders to take care of the people that they're responsible for and responsible to. We love what we do and we love to have a partnership with you as well. So we look forward to continue to serve within our communities and for all those organizations, whether you're looking at a small to medium or large size company, we'd love to have an opportunity just to be in partnership and support you for you to be successful. So this is our segment for today with Hope Broadway, Palmetto Business HR. Thank you for joining us. And for those of you that are with us, follow us every single Monday. We release a new episode with another phenomenal leader sharing great insight that you won't find in any academic institution that you attend. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, this is Ron Harvey and Hope Broadway signing off. Well, we hope you enjoyed this edition of Unpacked Podcast with leadership consultant Ron Harvey. Remember to join us every Monday as Ron unpacks sound advice, providing real answers for real leadership challenges. Until next time, remember to add value and make a difference where you are for the people you serve. Because people always matter.